Let's bow our head and we'll pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, as we come, we just believe that you are the one who guides us. You renew our mind. You strengthen us. You give us understanding. Father, you cause us to have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And it's all through your word. And so, Father, we ask that you'd give us wisdom, Father, to preach and to teach. Father, with clarity of mind, articulation of speech, and boldness of spirit. Father, we pray that you give each one here a a willingness, a joy about the word. Father, just ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to be doers of it, and changed by it, and renewed, and conformed to your image. And we just thank you, Lord, that your word can do things that nothing else can do in our transformation. And we give you the praise. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here, illuminating us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to talk about uh, decisions. And the title of my message is Indecision is a decision uh, to not decide, or really a decision against God. Indecision is a decision not to decide. It really is. Now think about that. Indecision is a decision that you're making. You may not think you're, you know, how many of you know that you unconsciously make decisions? You know, if a, if a uh, pit bull comes running at you, uh, you're just running. You didn't make a decision. You didn't have to sit around with indecisiveness and, and, and you know, uh, tally up the pros and the cons and, and figure out, you, you, are, you just suddenly felt yourself running. We, we all the time unconsciously make decisions, and indecision is a decision not to decide. And I was telling my, my kids, I, I asked them a question, if they say, I don't know, I says, now, who could you tell me that might know what you plan to do? And, uh, and I'm, and I'm kind of hard on my kids because I don't want my kids to be these indecisive people. Indecisive people go nowhere in life, and they accomplish nothing for God. And you have to make decisions to go forward in this life. Can I get an amen? And so I always say, you know, if, if you don't know, then could you please give me the address or phone number who does know about your life? Because I'd really like to talk to somebody who knows something. And uh, so I don't accept I don't know. In other words, at the Tweet House, we don't accept I don't know. And I says, it's your responsibility to know. So get in the know and hurry up. And don't be giving me this nonsense you don't know. Because uh, the Bible gives you all the answers right here. And if you don't know, it's only because you've neglected this. Somebody say amen. amen. And so that's, that's my philosophy, and I believe that it's, it's, it's very scriptural. Look with me at 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. And then we're going to go directly to Joel 3.14. And we're going to look at some folks that were indecisive. And we can see here, when we go over there to 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, verse 20, uh, it's Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, of course, old, you know, Ahab and Jezebel are there, and they're, they're the, some of the most wicked leadership that Israel ever had experienced. And the prophet of God was confronting them. And, you know, God always assigned a prophet to every king to call him to repentance so there might be the possibility of revival in Israel. And until the kings repented, generally there was never revival until they repented. Just like I remember in, uh, in Jonah... When he was sent, it wasn't the preacher uh, at Nineveh that led him. The king called the, the people to repentance. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Amen. And he's the one that said, you know, sackcloth and ashes, everybody, even the animals. So uh, it, was, it was quite a deal. And so here we go. It's verse 20. And so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and they gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. They're going to have a showdown between the uh, power of God and the power of Baal. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? In other words, how come you haven't decided to do something about this? You know, what's wrong with America is nobody's decided. You know, they call it the political will. Ted Cruz calls it, uh, nobody has the political will to do anything about it. How many of you know way back when Reagan, they had already signed legislation to build a wall between us and and Mexico? Did anybody know that? That long ago. But nobody has the political will to do anything about it. And, you know, Donald Trump's acting like he's the first guy that said there's going to be a wall, like, like he invented that. That was invented a long time ago, and it just needs that somebody uh, get off their blessed assurance and make a decision and do something. And so what we've got here is a whole bunch of people who won't decide to do anything. They won't decide about their life, who they're going to serve. They won't decide who their kids are going to serve. They won't decide about doing something about Jezebel and Ahab. They won't decide uh, to obey the prophet. They won't decide to take a stand. They, they, how many of you know it's the easiest thing in the world just to 
float downstream with everybody else and, and find your way in hell someday. There's a broad road, a very broad path, and the Bible says many are on it, and it leads straight to destruction. And then there's a very narrow path, and that's because it's not an easy path, because it's so narrow, and very few are on it, and it's the way that leads to life. We, we know that. I talk about that often. But here we see Elijah uh, came on all the people, and he said, how long will you halt between two opinions? In other words, how long will you be indecisive or decide to not decide? They had decided to not decide. When are you going to decide about those things? And he says, and you halt between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow him. I mean, if God says that he'll lead you, and you've got a whole Bible telling you what to do, then why aren't you doing it? That's the type of people they were. I'm glad, I'm glad that we've got some doers around here. Can I get an amen? But there's people like that. They aren't going to do anything because they never would make a decision. Because they never quit uh, disobeying God and deciding not to make a decision. And he goes on and it says, If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Go to hell. But at least do it with some gusto and some decision. Because I'd rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm. How many of you know lukewarm is, is absolutely what indecision is? That's what indecision is, is being lukewarm. You're not hot and you're not cold because you haven't decided. You're on the fence. You're an undecider. God rebukes these people and God comes against people like that. And he says, if, God, if the Lord be Lord, well, I haven't decided. Well, that's, that's your choice, isn't it? That's your choice. You have chosen not to decide. By not doing anything. And not doing anything is a choice you made. Somebody say amen. amen. Not doing anything is a choice we make. Yes. Putting it off is a choice we make. Procrastination is a choice that we make. That doesn't feel like one, Pastor Bill. But you know what? It is. It's a choice. And, well, I don't have enough information. Well, whose fault is that? I don't have, an informa- I don't have enough information to make an informed choice. Whose fault is that? The information's out there. Go get it, read it, learn it, and find out. Somebody say amen. you know, awful hard tonight. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's really hard in hell. The way of the transgressor is hard. Everybody say it with me. The way of the transgressor is hard. See, transgressor is the person who won't decide to follow Christ. And turn over to Joel 3 and 14. There's another, there's another example of this out of the mouth of Two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And we can look and see this isn't the only time that people were indecisive or refusing to make a decision for God. And in Joel 3.14, it says this. It says, multitude, multitudes, in the valley of decision. Wow. In the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. A lot of people just live in the valley of trying to make a decision. They never make the decision and come out of the valley. And multitudes... See, what that tells me is most people don't make decisions. Most people let things ride. Most people let things go. Most people let things build up. Most people let things go unattended. Most people don't take care of business. And God doesn't want us that way. It's like asking people to commit uh, to church work or, or to work in the nursery. It goes silent. And, you know, Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you can't say, make a decision, yes, then you're operating in no. Somebody say amen. amen. Why did Jesus say, if you're not for me, you're against me? If you're not with me, you're against me. And if you're not gathering, you're scattering. Well, all you got to do is not decide to be evangelistic and you're scattering. By indecision and doing nothing and neglecting, because and, everybody's on their way to hell. That's like, uh, if you don't build the dam, the water's just going to keep on going by. Yes. Somebody say amen. You don't have to do anything for the water to keep on going by. It's like godly, wonderful Christian people send very, very wicked people 
They elect very, very wicked people to go to Washington, D.C. every four years by staying home and doing nothing. Somebody say amen. It's indecision. It's not deciding that I got to find out. I got to vet these guys. I got to find a candidate. I got to get behind him. I got to do something about this. I got to find out who that neighbor is, find out if he's saved. I got to go talk to him. I got to invite him to church. I need to share the gospel with him. That's decisiveness. That's, That's making a choice to make a decision and to go do something about what God has commanded us to do. It isn't like God didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel. Can I get an amen? amen. It isn't like he didn't say that because he did. Right. With every creature, he said. And so it's already put out there and the, and the command is on us. It isn't like someday the Lord's going to lead me and, and someday I'm going to have the grace. To, to. No, God's already said, I command you to do this. Amen. You already have the grace to do it. And so it's very important. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. There's three components to every decision. And as we look at this, it's very, it's very clearly uh, laid out in the book of Deuteronomy. And I'll tell you what, it is very, very insightful to see these three basic components to every decision. Now, I shared, I shared some of this before a long, long time ago. Many, many years ago, I shared a lot of these things from these notes. And, and I'm going to uh, probably refamiliarize us with some of these things. But Deuteronomy 30 through 15, excuse me, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20, we'll read. See, I have set before, excuse me, see, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. He presents to us a choice. Because we have free will. Free will, the ability to choose life or death. Very simple. Let me read it again. See, I, and God does this to us. I have set before thee this day. Life and good, death and evil. Adam and Eve, I have set before you this day. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of evil. I have set before you this day a choice. I confront you now to make a decision. I put you on the spot to where you have to make a decision. God does that. Not pastor, not, not this sermon, not, not just... The, God, God does that to us. Verse 16. But then he doesn't leave you any room to do anything but obey. Verse 16, in that I command thee, everybody say command. Command. I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God. How do we know that we love him? If we keep his commandments. We know it says that in John. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land with the sword that promise. So now we've got a command. The nature of a command, anything less than obedience is now considered rebellion. Boy, that puts us right up against the wall in the corner, right? That really puts us in a corner. That really forces us, because he didn't say just choose. He says choose, but I command you to choose this one. Wow. Is that a choice? Yeah, it is a choice. You can rebel or you can obey. That's really what the choice is. That's what the choice is in all of life and every day and in every decision is to either obey or rebel against God's word. It really is. It's, it's built into everything we do in life. There's a moral component to everything. A command because every choice we make either lines up with God's command or his word or it doesn't. We think it's just, you know, Moses talking to the children of Israel here in this particular... No, no, everything in life. I get up. I can either lay in bed or get up. I can either have self-control and make myself get up, or I can acquiesce to my flesh and lay in bed. Somebody say amen. How many of you know it starts with a choice? Every day starts with a choice. <laughs> and I have failed many times. I've rebelled and laid there. Every time you sit at a table and eat food, and, and, and the Holy Spirit says, well, that, that's enough now. 
And I've many times said, give me another piece of that cake. I sent the kids out at 11 o'clock their night because I had an Oreo hankering. I knew I was in disobedience to God. And then I got an accomplice, and Nate went and got him for me. Or was it Rachel? Anyway, so now I got my kids into sin with me. So how bad is that? And I'm your pastor. Gosh, it's terrible. But everything has a moral, everything is a choice. And I tell you what, uh, even the little things that we laugh about, and they're probably not all that harmful, I understand that, but they're practice for the big stuff. Somebody say amen. amen. It's practice for the big stuff. Now we're going to go to verse 16 and on down. Or 17, I'm sorry. But if thine heart will turn away so that thou will not hear, oh my. See, this is what you'll get used to doing. And you'll do it in the small stuff, you'll do it in the big stuff. But if thine heart, see, it's your heart that turns away so that thou wilt not hear. People don't want to hear, it's their hearts turned away. But shall be drawn away and worship other gods. Oh, I don't worship any Baal. Well, how about your, how about your ego? How about your, uh, your success? How about uh, your career path or, or your education or your money in the bank or your address? All those things can be false gods. Worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you will surely perish and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land See, obeying prolongs your days. Whither thou passest over Jordan to go and possess us. Many have never gone into their promised land. Many haven't gone into their promised land of healing. Many haven't gone into their promised land of prosperity. Many haven't gone into their promised land of peace. Many haven't gone into their promised land of their kids uh, straightening out or being saved or whatever they're asking for. Many people never go into their promised land. And they perish in their wilderness. And I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, again, he commands, choose life. Both thou and thou seed may live. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice. Thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. In him we live and move and have our being, the Bible says. And length of days, thou mayest dwell in the land, the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac. And he had promised them that land, and many of them don't go and enter into it. Well, it's in the Bible. Why isn't it happening for me? You've got to go take it. You've got to go in after it. So that last one is the consequences, destruction or blessing. Consequences of choices are, are merely fruit of right and wrong choices. It's just the fruit of your life. Too many are living under a death and wrong choices and, uh, you know, Free sex, you know, think, oh, I can do that. Yeah, but then you get AIDS, and then, you know, you get into some type of having a baby that you don't want, and then somebody's got to take care of it, then you or your parents, and then you don't have enough money, and then this leads to this, and this leads to that, and it becomes a disaster, and then that child grows up hurt and rejected, and then he, he, he does something terrible you'll have to pay for, and oh, my goodness sakes. All the things that happen. Just are little choices. Little, little choices. Little choices not to control your sex life. Not to con- which is a choice to not control your mind. Which is a choice to not look at certain things. And not think about certain things. Which is a choice maybe of hanging out in the wrong places with the wrong people. You know, you can take all that stuff, that, the horrible disasters of life. If you stair-step it backwards in reverse and put the camera in reverse, it, 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 got, it all comes down to little tiny things that you started out with. And it's choices. And, the, and the, the way you deal with little choices will determine how you deal with the big ones later on. And many of these decisions end up being eternal and affect many people. How many of you know Adam's little choice to just let his wife have a conversation with the snake? I mean, I, I'm not a control freak. My wife can talk to other people. Well, it was a snake. <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with the conversation? I mean, come on, aren't, aren't we, don't we need to be open-minded? Not when it's all wrong. And the whole of mankind has fallen, and now babies are, are mutilated and killed and raped, and people are mass-killing each other, and there's wars, and it, hell has unleashed 
on the whole of planet Earth. Because yeah. a little indiscreet. You know, why can't she talk with him? I mean, and why should I try to control her? I mean, she can make up her mind for herself, can't she? Just a little indiscretion, a little thing that she didn't think was a big deal. And now look what it's, you know, well, why don't we go ahead and get this, this servant to have a baby for you, Abraham, and Hagar would make a great mother since I can't have children. God said you could have children. Why are you talking against the promise of God? And now we got Ishmael. How many of you know Ishmael's a monster now? Ishmael is the predecessor of Isis. God said this would happen, by the way, when one lady decided and one man decided to not obey God. Amen. And things got out of order. I believe this, that you can look at the first Adam and one choice to obey God or the devil in the garden, one command to not eat or to eat of a tree is the consequences of sin and death and the fall of mankind. But then there was a second Adam, one little choice. And you go to Luke 22, 41 through 44, where he's in the garden. He says, can this cup pass by me? The revelation of what he was going to go through, the sins of mankind were going to come upon him. He was going to be wounded. He was going to be bruised. He was going to be rejected. He was going to be despised. He was going to go down into the center of the earth. And I don't know what all that entailed. He was going to carry man's sins or become uh, sickness and all these things. And, And we don't know, I don't know that we fully understand all that, but it was so horrendous. Jesus, the son of God Almighty says, can I, can I get out of this? I mean, nothing else ever made him sweat blood. I mean, and he starts sweating blood. And How many of you know that was a hard choice? How many of you know Adam and Eve eating, not eating out of a certain tree? How many of you know that was a piece of cake, easy choice? Just don't eat of the stupid tree. I mean, how hard is that? There's a million other ones that have got better taste and fruit all over them. But you've got to be the dummies and eat of the one I told you not to. How hard was that? Jesus, all he has to do is be beaten to death, go to hell, and carry all our sin. Well, that's not a big deal now, is it? And that was a big choice. God's will or not, and he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Every time you make a choice, you've got to say, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what a choice is. Not my will, but thy will be done. And the command was to go to the cross. And he obeyed, and the consequence was redemption of all of mankind and fixing everything that the first Adam screwed up uh, in a beautiful garden. The second Adam comes along and fights the devil and wins it back in the wilderness temptation. And well, in the, and then in the Garden of Gethsemane. Both decisions were made in gardens. And he delivers mankind and has an eternal effect. And the decision is made. And it says in Romans 5.17 that one man brought sin upon the whole world and one man brought righteousness and redemption on the whole world. And it's the first and the second Adam. Amen. And every Adam, you know, even as Adam and Jesus were called to a point of decision in their lives, even as the day of Joel and Elijah, people were called to a point of decision and they rejected it through their indecisiveness. God is calling us to a point of decision to choose the command of God and then to obey and enjoy the consequences and the blessings. The consequences are the blessings. And, it, and, the, and the command is, number one, he's commanded all men everywhere to repent. How many of you know it says at one time he winked at sin? We're in, we're in Acts 30th chapter, 17th verse. Or 17th chapter, 30th verse. And... It says at one time he winked at sin, but now he commands. Everybody say commands. All men to repent everywhere. And, you know, he commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and get other people saved. He first commands us to get saved, then he commands us to go out and get other people saved. Let me give you this principle. And three principles of making decisions. And in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, David gives us three principles or three steps to making a decision. And so that you can learn to make right decisions and how it makes it easier for you to make a decision. Did you know there's ways to make it easier on yourself to make the right decisions? Turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms 1. I love this. This is, this is, this is some great 
territory in the Bible right here. This is about making decisions. First know the decision that all others rest on is to meditate on his word. How are you going to ever make a decision if you don't know this thing right here? If you don't know this, you can't make any decisions. I'm going to give you three things. Number one is verse one. It says, blessed is the man. You know, sometimes it blessed is the man that does this, does that, does this. Here's blessed is the man that doesn't do something. Blessed is the man that walketh not, everybody say not, in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, he's walking. Everybody say walk. You ought to, you ought to put a line or underline walk. Walketh. Blessed is the man that walketh not. In the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth. Everybody say stand. See, now he's walking. Now he's standing. I see this pesky demon working in a person. And I see a person walking down the road. And, and, and you know, I, I can remember all the stories as they would come back from Mardi Gras. And they'd be walking around and they'd be looking for people, soul winning. And then there'd be people, I can remember Daniel Martin told me there was this person that came alongside him and started talking to him. And I think it was a, some kooky witch or, I don't know. How many know Mardi Gras is full of insane people? Yeah. And, and so he's walking along and, and, and then, you know, he's talking to him, he's talking to him. And, and I think, blessed is the man that walketh not in the council and the ungodly. But then, you know, if he bugs you enough, he'll get you to stop and talk to him. How many right there is the first mistake you make? First of all, don't walk with him, but then don't stop and talk to him because now you've just given him audience. Now, that isn't just physical, but just in life in general, that, you know, if, if you give audience. It's one thing where they're trying to get you to stop, but if they get you to stop and, and, and then there's an audience, then you go to the second level of mistake. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. See, there's ungodly people, and then it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now they're sinners. They're doing their ungodliness. Everybody say, doing their ungodliness. It's one thing to be ungodly, but now, uh, you know, you're ungodly on the inside, but now, you know, it's one thing just to be, to mess up. How many of you know it's one thing to be uh, lost. It's one thing to be a heathen. But ungodly, it's like the uncola. Remember, 7-Up used to be the uncola. Yeah. Made it very distinctly known that it is not a cola. It's, it's anti. It's uncola. It's against cola. It's everything but cola. It's one thing uh, to mess around and, and mess up, but the ungodly is someone who's really kind of against God. And then sinners, standeth in the way of sinners. And sinners are people that begin to act out their ungodliness. Then it goes to a third level, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now they're not only uh, ungodly themselves, and now they're not sinners trying to get you to stop, and now they're scornful. Now they're coming against the righteous. It's one thing to be ungodly. It's another thing to act upon it. Then it's another thing to come against those who are right. See that three levels of progression? Very distinctly three different levels. Just like walking, standing, and then sitting with, it's almost like getting in bed with or or uh, in fellowship with, it isn't just audience, now it's fellowship, I'm staying a while, and I'm going to listen to you. So there's three different types of people and three different relationships with those people. And the relationship gets more able to be influenced by them. You can only influence somebody so much when they're walking, like, leave me alone, I'm, I'm walking, I'm going here. Oh, okay, let me listen to you. Oh, really? Let's sit down and talk about that. Three levels. Then there's, you know, ungodly. Then there's sinners. Then there's scorners. You know what the Bible says about scorners? Cast out the scorner and contention and strife will go out. Yea, and reproach shall cease. You don't listen to scorners. The Bible says you throw them out. If somebody, you know, is in our church and they're sinful, you know, we're going to try to help them. They're ungodly, they need to get saved. They're sinful, they need some repentance. They might need some help, they need some sanctification. But they're scornful, and if they're scornful very long, I'm going to throw them out of the church. If they come against me, they come against you, they come against Jesus, they come against others, I'm going to throw them out. Because God commands me to. Because otherwise they will ruin the whole church. There'll be a leaven that spreads and destroys everything. It says, cast out the scorner, contention will go out, yea, strife and reproach shall cease. 
what it says in Proverbs 10.22. So, there's certain things the way you deal with people. You don't sit down with this corner. You throw the dude out. You don't sit down in fellowship with him. See, some people, well, I don't do that, but you do it with your television. There's a whole lot of scorning going on. TV's going off. Went to the gym the other day, and I keep hearing the F word in the music. Well, I'm going I'm to confront the people that own the gym about that and tell them that's very offensive to me. And, you, and, you know, pure lives matter. I'll cause you some trouble if you don't turn that garbage off. So anyway, it's, it's really, you know, we need to decide, number one, make a decision to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Can I get an amen? amen. See, who did Eve get her counsel from to eat from the tree? Who? Who did Eve get her counsel from to eat from the tree? Snake. And then who did Adam get his, his counsel from to eat of the tree? Oh, so the ungodliness got passed from the snake uh, to the wife and to the husband. And he can go the other way around, too. We're not, we're not pouncing on wives here. We're, we're, I can go either way. So don't listen. Don't, don't hang out with idiots. Make it real simple. Everybody ought to be able to understand that one. We'll just get, at, get, get completely away from politically correct and say it like it is. Don't hang out with idiots. Because let me tell you, scornful people, the ungodly, they're idiots. See, a lot of people, oh, you should use words like that in church, Pastor Bill. The word idiots comes from the word idios. Idios is the Greek word that the Bible uses to, to be for fool. Idiot's a biblical word. A lot of you didn't know that. Okay, that's why I use it every once in a while, just to wake you up. All right. Number two. I love this next part. Let's go to verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Everybody say his delight. Not his struggle. Some people have struggled. Yeah, I guess I got to put in my five minutes in the Bible. Jeez. His delight. He's smart enough to know how incredibly, tremendous, stupendously awesome the Word of God really is when you start reading it and doing it. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law doth he meditate therein day and night. That's Joshua 1.8, isn't it? How do you change yourself? The only way you'll ever change yourself is like this. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, O Lord. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by giving heed thereto according to the word. And he says, don't turn to the left or to the right, but go in and take the land. And when you go and take the land, you shall meditate there in day and night. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. The only way that you're going to change yourself is with the Word of God, because that's the only thing, that's the only thing the Holy Spirit partners with. Can I get an amen? It's the only thing the Holy Spirit partners with is the Word of God. And you have to have the Word of God, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and starts doing the change. Because how many of you know the Holy Spirit and the Word become one, a force, a singular force in your life? But you've got to start with the Word of God. You can't start with the Spirit of God. You've got to start with the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside that and begins to work with it. Because otherwise, the Holy Spirit's not going to work with your guesswork. He's got to have a clear framework of truth and others to get involved with and to partner with. Amen. Amen. And it says, and he shall delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So you need to not think about what all the scorners are talking about, all the sinners are talking about, all the ungodly are talking about, trying to get you. You need to go and meditate day and night. Now, we're talking about how you make a decision. This all has to be precursor to making good decisions. Can I get an amen? amen. This is be not deceived. Bad company will corrupt good manners. If you hang out with knuckleheads, you will make wrong decisions every single time and even you know, twice on Sunday. Every day of the week, you'll make mistakes. You've got to meditate on the Word of God. And number three, look what it says. And so what we've got 
is we've got three things. Walk not in the counsel, meditate in the word, and then whatever you do, look at this, and I love this. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters and bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth. Everybody say doeth. Doesn't say whatever he thinketh shall prosper. It doesn't say whatever he setteth on his blessed assurance and waits for God to move shall prosper. So whatever he doeth will prosper. So it's three very distinct things. Walking not, meditating in, and doing. Good decisions come from not allowing wrong influences into your mind. It goes from that completely cram-packing your mind and completely cram-packing your mouth with God's word all the time. And then you begin to do it. In Joshua 1.8, it talks about meditating and doing. And if you're meditating and doing, you won't have time to hang out with the scorners, the sinners, and the ungodly. Can I get an amen? So, so that's how we make good decisions. And when we make good decisions, life changes. It's like one person says the definition of insanity is we keep on doing the same thing and we expect a new result. That's because you never make decisions. You never make a decision to start doing things differently. Then you can expect a new result. Can I get an amen? If you make decisions, you know, Julie was telling me, you know, she, she lost uh, 70 pounds. And she said, I decided to die to myself in this area. She says, because I just couldn't get control over it and, I, and trying to figure it out. And, and she said, I just had to completely die to it. And, uh, and, it, and it was a huge decision. How many of you know that's a big decision? You got to make a decision. 90% of all decisions are already addressed in the word plainly. Well, I don't know what to do. The Bible tells you what to do. Well, I don't know who to marry. The Bible doesn't tell me who to marry. Oh, yeah, it does. It tells you to marry a Proverbs 31 woman, not a Proverbs 7 woman. Proverbs 7 is the whorish woman, okay? And the Bible doesn't tell you that you're in charge of it, ladies. And the Bible tells men you are in charge. The Bible tells you. So now, if you found somebody that you like and you're interested in them and they're a Proverbs 7 woman, you don't marry them. If they're a Proverbs 31 woman, you, you go ahead and you start acting out. You start uh, moving in that direction. And if God says don't do it and, and God puts obstacles in your way and, and he does some things, then don't follow after that. But, you know, 90% of it, if you just obey the word, you'll end up right in the place where it'll be obvious to you that it is God's will. If you keep following God's word, it'll put you in a position to make it easy to realize this is God's will. It's people that don't have any word and they're trying to make decisions. Well, no wonder you can't, it's, it's, you're just clueless and you can't figure it all out because you don't have the framework to make a decision. Somebody say amen. You have to have the, the basis and the framework. 10% of all your decisions are given to us, if not clearly 90% of the word, 10% of them are probably addressed in principle and parallels. Like I, I just said recently, I said Donald Trump's just another very clear, very plain, very symbolic, very typological picture of King Saul. The people don't want a godly. They, they've rejected all the, the Ted Cruz. They've rejected the Mike Huckabees. They've rejected the Rick Santarms. They've rejected uh, the Ben Carsons. All the obviously clear. And, and, and they've rejected the guy that says, I've never asked God for forgiveness. They've, I mean, they've accepted. They've accepted the guy that doesn't want God's forgiveness. They've accepted the guy that runs uh, strip joints. They've accepted the guy that's lied and not paid his bills. And they accept that. And they want somebody who is like all the other kings of the world. How many of you know when they rejected Samuel for Saul, they said, we want a king like the rest of the world has to judge us. We want a king to lead us into battle. In other words, they wanted a king that was like all the heathens. And does the Bible tell you who's, who's going to win? Pastor Bill, you're trying to tell us? The Bible will tell us who's going to win the presidency? Well, yeah, it tells us that if people don't want godly men, they're going to get us all. Yeah, it does tell us. And he gives us a big, fat story with a picture that's so obvious you'd have to try not to understand it. And it's right there in your Bible. And if you just look at it, you'd easily see all the parallels. Somebody say amen. If you read it enough, you'd see the parallels very easily. And then you would know what's going to happen. No big mysteries. 
There's nothing new under the sun. Can I get an amen? amen? There's nothing new under the sun. See, the Holy Spirit leads us by the word. Many people, they're praying about things that God already answered in the word. Well, Lord, when you, when you, when you move on me and show me and speak to me, I'll go to church and tithe. Excuse me, the Bible already tells you to go to church and tithe. Now, you may laugh at that, but let me tell you something. There's a lot of more, a little bit more subtle things that people are praying and praying and seeking. And, and the Bible already tells you what to do. How many of you know people like that? They're praying about all kinds of biblical things. You know, one guy, he was praying, well, should I marry, you know, my, my neighbor's wife? I think God wants me to marry her. Why? Because I feel so attracted to her. It's got to be God. It's not God. You know, if you look at the word, it's got to be the word first. It's got to be in the word. We're led by first the word. And the word is the objective and the spirit is the subjective. And you don't judge the word by the spirit. I mean, you do in one sense, but you judge the spirit by the word because the spirit is a lot less tangible thing to understand if it's good or something bad talking to you. So you use the word to prove all things. Okay, let's go on to the next thing I want to talk about. You know, some people, they have 52 decisions a year that they've got to make, and it's such a struggle every Sunday morning. And they're this big valley of decision. Oh, maybe, maybe we're supposed to go today. Maybe we're not. Oh, I, mean, I don't know if I feel like it. Or I don't know if I don't feel like it. And I've got to go through this big decision every Sunday morning. Where they're going to you know, I made that decision once in my life, and I've never changed it. Amen. Never had to decide ever again if I was going to go to church on Sunday morning because I decided once for all, forever, never re- renege from that. I will always go to church on Sunday morning. Amen. As long as I'm breathing, I'm, I'm going to be in church. As long as I'm making money, I'm going to tithe. As long as I've, you know, there's so many things in the Bible, and, you know, I use those same things over and over again, but they're simple things that we can all understand. But some people, they struggle out this big decision every Sunday morning. Well, shouldn't we, you know, like my nose sniffled out. Well, maybe I shouldn't go. I've, I've preached so sick, I, I puke before I, I get up and preach and go home and puke after I preach. Had enough manners not to do it in front of you. Aren't you glad? Migraine headaches and some migraine Advil before I preach and some migraine Advil after I preach and a lot of prayer on top of it. Because I made a decision a long time ago. My life doesn't rule me. I rule my life by decisions. Somebody say amen. I'd be all over the place. I wouldn't be here half the time. Some pastor wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here half the time if I went by feelings. Just like you. I wouldn't be here half the time. Because most Sunday mornings, there's all kinds of demons trying to get me not to come and preach. You think it's hard to come to hear the word, you ought to be the one preaching the word. Most people's problems, they haven't decided. To meditate on the word, to understand what's important to God and what God wants you to do. Know that indecision closes the door for God to move in your life. Know this, that indecision closes the door for God to be able to move in your life. James 1, 4, 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That Sunday morning decider. Just unstable. And what will happen is eventually you'll go less and less, and eventually you'll end up never going. If it's, up, if it's up for debate, the devil's a better debater than you are. If it's up for debate, your flesh is a better debater than you are. If it's up for debate, the, the imaginations that you're supposed to cast down and the thoughts you're supposed to bring into the obedience to Christ are, are more and more vast than you are. The many voices in this world, the voices that will tell you not to go to church are far more than the one that will tell you to go to church. A double-minded man will become more and more unstable in all, all of his ways. Choose this day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Make the decision. Not the many, many, many decisions. That's indecision. If you're making the decisions over and over again about the same thing, all that tells me is you've been in indecision all along. 
If you're making decisions about the same thing over and over again, and one day it's decided this way, then it's decided, you never really decided. You decided not to decide, and you're indecisive, and you've really yet, yet to really make a decision. I may say amen. You know, Henry Ford and J.C. Penney failed many, many times before they succeeded, but they finally came to them. It's because they made a decision not to ever quit until they got it, and then they didn't quit. They just kept on going. Failure did not dictate their future, but failure will dictate most people's indecisiveness and get them back into indecision, and then a decision against God. And a decision uh, to not decide is a decision not to obey. A decision not to decide is really a decision not to obey. Amen. Come on. Decisiveness. To proceed until you succeed. Say that with me. To proceed until you succeed. To proceed until you succeed. succeed. You've got to keep proceeding. You've got to keep with your decision. That's faith. He that wavers is like the wave of the sea. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. What's wavering? It says, let, let a man ask in faith and nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea. Let not that man think that he will ever receive anything. That's because that man never made a decision. And the reason why he's wavering because he didn't make the decision. In other words, all wavering is going back and forth in the decision. This is what ruins Christians' faith. This is what makes people think that faith doesn't work. It says that we inherit the, pra- the promises by faith and patience. Faith is staying the same. You keep confessing, you keep believing, you keep doing, you keep acting in line with your decision. And patience is the thing that gets you there, the bridge that gets you from point A to point Z. Can I get an amen? amen. So we've got to have, a de- we've got to make decisions. I made a decision at one point. When we lived in the other house, we didn't have enough money. And we kept waiting until we were going to have enough money to fix our sidewalk or to build a sidewalk because our sidewalk was all messed up and we needed to, to fix it, tear out the old and put in the new. And I kept thinking, well, so when we get the money, we'll build the sidewalk. And it came to me, when you get in faith, you'll get the money. And when you begin to work on the sidewalk, you'll begin to display and live your faith and then the money or the means to do it will come. And I had put it off and put it off. You know, as long as I put off that sidewalk, how many of you know it never got done? So I got in faith, and I said, I don't have any money. I don't know how we're going to do the sidewalk, but I'm going to tear out the sidewalk because I'm in faith. Well, it just so happened that my, ma- my neighbor saw me tearing out the sidewalk, and he came over, and he says, I do this for a living. And he used to come to the church. And uh, he says, why don't you just let me help you with that sidewalk, and, and I'll put that sidewalk in for you. And all that time when I hadn't made a decision to go start doing my sidewalk, how many of you know I wasn't getting a sidewalk? But when I decided I was going to have a sidewalk, then if I'm going to have a sidewalk, then I'm going to go do something that I can do to have a sidewalk, which was to tear out the old one. And when I tore out the old one, then God sent somebody to help me to do the sidewalk. And as soon as he came and helped, I kept thinking, I still don't have the money to pour. Then all of a sudden, we had money come in from unexpected sources, and then we had the money to do the sidewalk. So I had to go out and tear out the sidewalk, make the decision to tear out the sidewalk. And then the neighbor came and said he would do the sidewalk. And then after he said he would do the sidewalk, then money came for us to be able to afford the sidewalk. Hallelujah. I'll never forget that as long as I live. That was one of the greatest faith lessons that the Lord showed me about making a decision. And living by your decisions, there's two types of people, those who live by their decisions and others who live by their feelings and their circumstances. Circumstance completely rules some people's lives. Feelings completely rule people's lives. And that's not faith. That's your feelings and that's uh, your, your circumstances. And so, you know, the same is true with spiritual decisions with God. When we obey his command, what we do know to obey by faith first, he will meet you. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. See, I drew nigh unto doing the sidewalk, and the forces drew nigh unto me to do the sidewalk. There's something about you've got to make the first move. And uh, I prefer to make decisions and have a few failures on the way to success uh, than to stay indecisive and never have the opportunity for success. Let me say that again. I prefer to make decisions and have a few failures on my way to success 
than to stay undecisive and never have any opportunity to have any success. And I really believe that what we see as failed decisions can be God's path of training, preparing us for success that we actually need to go through in order to handle the success. Lots of people think, well, you know, I failed at this. You know, what was it? Uh, was it Isaac Newton? Who, who's the electrical guy that did the light bulb? Edison. Edison. It was Edison, yeah. Thomas Edison. 3,000 attempts at a light bulb before it worked. But he said, one person says, didn't you get discouraged? He says, no, it was 3,000 steps to get me where I needed to go. How many of you think that's a good way of looking at it? It was 3,000 steps and process of elimination to get him where he needed to go uh, to be able to create the, the light bulb. And I think that, you know, decisiveness, we have to look at it like that. We've got to go ahead and make some decisions. Wow. Um, and just know this, that the greatest decisions you'll make produce the greatest rewards. And uh, don't let anything deter you. We're out of time. I have some more there, but uh, I think I got through most of what I want to talk about tonight. How many of you are ready to make some decisions tonight? You know, the lost person never makes a decision, he'll go to hell. And, uh, you know, we've got to make some decisions to be soul winners. We've got to make some decisions to walk with the Lord. We need to make some decisions uh, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Let's stand. And how many of you want to make a, a faith confession to make decisions tonight? Anybody willing to do that with me? Let's make some faith confession uh, about decision making. I'm going to step up here and just say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe tonight that I can have what I say. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And I'm saying tonight that I'm making decisions, financial decisions, Relational decisions, family decisions, all manner of decisions that will affect my life to thrust me forward into success, into blessings, into prosperity. I'm making decisions before you, Lord, and no indecisiveness. I choose this day to obey and to have life and blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you got some things you got to make a decision about? Raise your hand right now if you've got decisions before you. Does this help you to make the decision? You know, there's something about meditating in the Word, getting away from the, the noise and all, and all the, the stuff on television and radio and, and just getting into that place of, uh, of decision and then begin to do. Because, see, you'll stay in decision if you don't do. Because one thing that doing does, doing will prove out whether you're on the right path or the wrong path real quickly. If you're full of the word and you're not listening to the scorners, and, you know, like it says, the walk not in the counsel of the wicked and then meditate in the word, and then he'll prosper whatever you doeth. You've got to start doing. Amen. Let's pray. I'll just close.